playing and leading us in worship. Um, before we start on the uh, the message today, I just want to give some notices. Um, these are in the a lot of these I think are in the email. If you check out the email for just the the details as a reminder, but just to let you know, next Saturday, uh, weather permitting, there'll be some gardening going on here. So from 10 to 12 uh, on Saturday, just clearing up a bit of planting and things like that. Um, so come for that. Uh, and then next Sunday, we're going to start up our youth meeting again. So this will be in the back area uh, from 11 o'clock. So what the youth are invited to do is just come at 11. So if you've got young people, they can just come then. Obviously, they can come to the service before here and then just go out at 11 if they wish. Um, but otherwise, they can just come in through the entrance around the side and go through to the back and the youth team will contact them about details. The following Sunday, we're going to be having a, a children's club. Um, and that's going to be going from half past ten uh, for the rest of the service. And again, so if you are coming with children, then you can just come with the children. They can go straight through to the back uh, and join that club for, that, for the service. Um, and so priorities in that week will be given to families um, with children. So do make yourself uh, take that opportunity. Um, on the same Sunday, we'll also be having a commissioning service for Richard and Damola. Um, as they prepare to go. Um, so we're going to be having, um, what's his name, Steve Banner from WEC. We'll be coming and sharing and we'll be praying for them and kind of commissioning them to go in the name of the Lord. So that will be exciting. Um, just also so you're aware, there are new uh, Zoom details on the email that went out um, Friday uh, with uh, details for the prayer meeting tonight and uh, for the prayer meeting on Wednesday morning. Uh, so do invite you to both of those. Obviously, we'll be joining again together tonight and then Wednesday at 8.30 for times of prayer. Um, so I hope that's okay. Right. Well, I'm in. Um, so, yeah, another great opportunity. It's great to come and actually speak with people in front of me for, for the first time in uh, probably six months. So that's encouraging that you actually came. Well done. Um, and if you're at home, you're very welcome as well. And I hope uh, God's got a blessing for us all this morning. Um, let's just close our eyes and just uh, set our hearts before the Lord to receive from him. Lord, we just take the moment to just fix our eyes on you, Lord. As we have in worship, Lord, may we now fix our heart upon you to receive your word. Lord, you are the word of life. And so we just focus our eyes on you, our gaze upon you this morning, Lord. We take a moment to breathe, Lord God, that you would just minister into our bodies, Lord God, as you breathe life, Lord, into man, Lord God, will you breathe life into us as we just take a moment, Lord. You want to take a deep breath, particularly if you've got a mask on. It's like sometimes you have to go like <laughs> and get some air in. Um, I think what I have this morning is I don't really know what it is. If it's a sermon or if it's an encouragement, an exhortation, a challenge, maybe it's all of those things combined. And I was really thinking about one of the, the second to last song that Drew was singing. 
And we hung on these last few words where it says, says, love so amazing, love so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all. And again, I want you to let that sink in love that God has given us, the love that was shown. It says that his love was declared through the coming of Jesus Christ who came and died for our sins. Love, so amazing. And it's not just something that we look on and go, oh, wasn't that great? But it demands that response. It demands my soul, my life, my all, my everything. And that's what his love demands from us this morning. It requires of us this morning. I was talking to John uh, this week, I think it was this week, uh, and we, I, I was reflecting the fact that it feels like to me that we've been talking about very similar things throughout the year. And sometimes there's part of me that's like, I've got other things in my head that I want to preach on, and I'm like, I want to preach on this or that or that, and do a different teaching or something like that. But for some reason, it feels like God is just keeps on bringing us back to things. And the only thing I can surmise from that is that God is not done with it yet. Because if God keeps bringing us back to the same thing, it's because he's saying, I'm not going to let you go on to something else until you've sorted this thing. And there's been so many themes um, that there have been in the year, but they all come to this, um, this same theme, and I'm going to try and touch on it again today. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a, a meeting with some of the MLG leaders on Zoom, and obviously we go through this kind of, well, how are you doing? How's church? What's church um, for you? And these kind of discussions, and we were obviously talking about kind of what's going on in the world and things like that. Uh, and again, the, this probably a very similar question comes up of, what's all this about? What's God doing in this time? Uh, is this of the devil? Is, is, you know, can the church meet? Can they not meet? What's What's the devil trying to do? And and I think I had this real strong conviction that it doesn't really matter why this thing happened or who it was from, because, again, if it's from God, then brilliant, God's got a purpose in it. If it's from the devil, then it says that God turns what the devil counted for evil and he makes it into good anyway. So either way, we're in God's hands, which is brilliant to know. But I actually really firmly believe that we're in a time of God's shaking. A couple, the other week we um, did a talk, if you, if you came, to about the Feast of Trumpets. And through the study of that, there's a verse in Isaiah that talks about kind of how Jesus is going to come back. And part of the process of his return involves the basically the, the uh, I can't remember what it's called now, where you beat the wheat um, to get the, the true wheat out of it and you get the wheat in the chaff to separate it off. And I believe there's a time that we're in of God's refining, God's shaking, that he is calling out his true church in this time. He's calling people to himself in, uh, and trying, and part of that is that beating. And so yeah, there's, there's hard times in that, but it's for, for good to separate what is junk and what is right to burn away the things the dross and to come out with gold at the end and I still believe we're in that and maybe again the whole point of these messages is that God is saying I'm not done with you yet 
there's still a refining, there's still a purifying that I want to do because, and maybe it's because of something that's to come. I'm not prophetic in that way, to, um, but maybe God's got something that's coming that if you're not strong in your faith, then you're going to struggle in the next season. I don't know where that came from, but there you go. Maybe it was the Lord. I did say God speak from <laughs> through my mouth this morning. So there might be a few things I didn't expect. Um, but I think that what God is doing at the heart of this is that there is a call to a greater level of intimacy with him. There is a call to a greater level of intimacy. And the reason I think that God will not allow us to move on from this is because it is the very foundation of our faith. Now, you can be particularly say, well, Christ is the rock. But it's our, if we do not have an intimacy with God, then the other things are pointless, I believe. If we go back, we talked a lot about abiding, and it says in John 15, where it talks about abiding, that if we do not abide, we cannot produce the fruit of God. So we must abide, we must dwell, we must know him in that intimate place. And obviously there's levels of intimacy. I don't know about you in your Christian walk, but there's times when you think, I'm going on really well with God and things are great. And then six months later you're like, I thought they were great, but now I know that I need more of God. And you go on and you go on. And and I'm sure my 20-year-old self would have thought, oh, you know, this is great, I'm doing this in God. But l- looking, if he could see forwards, he would say, oh, there's so much more I need to know. There's so much more I need to learn. And so we go on from glory to glory, he's changing us. But we have to have that foundation of our faith. And if we have lost that foundation, if we've lost that sweetness of God, then there's a call of God to return to that that place. And I believe one of the key reasons for this is obviously it's brilliant to have that for ourselves, but there's also a call upon our lives to display something different to the world. So you are called, it says, to be salt and light. It's a very familiar passage, to be different. Now, if all that I can offer somebody else is my goodness then we're all in trouble because I have met many people who are better than me who are not Christians. They are nicer than me, they are more thoughtful, they are kinder, they are generous in ways that I'm just like, oh man, you put me to shame. And so if that is all that there is, then, well, I'm in trouble. Now, obviously I can try and be better, but I don't think that's all that we're being talked about here. Because again, we'd be called to have this testimony We're called to stir up jealousy in others. That they might say, wow, what have you got? And I want that. Now John shared this video um, during the week and it was with the men's group and it was about Ravi Zacharias and he was at dinner with some people and at the end of the dinner um, he asked if he could pray for them. And they kind of went, all right, yeah. Um, And so then he prayed and as he prayed... And after he prayed, the guy said, "Wait, you you sound like you know God. You're you're talking to someone. You're not like, you know, we can go in here, many people pray in many different ways. But the key to the Christian life is that we can actually know God. 
And I believe when we're provoking the unbeliever to, to jealousy, it's because we can actually know him. And when you can have many other religions in the world, I believe ours is the only one where you can know God and have this personal, intimate relationship. So even when I talk to God in a personal way, and also the reality being that he actually then talks to me. And people find that strange when you say, well, God talks to you. And you're like, yeah, God talks to me. Like, you know, we've sung songs this morning about how God is great in majesty, in the heavens above, creating the earth and all things in it. But yet he talks to me. And we can know that. And I think if we lose that, and all we have is the other bits, which are not bad things, but they need to come out of that place of knowing God and being with him. I think when we think about how Jesus came, one of the key things he was challenging was about dead religion. Because again, you had these Pharisees who were diligent in terms of the law. So they, they said, I don't know if it was almost a, a joke, but that they tithed their, their herbs and their spices. You know, it's like that much salt to the Lord. I don't know if you imagine doing that in your dinner. You're like 10% to the Lord. Um, and kind of offering that as a sacrifice to him. Um, and they were so diligent in everything they did, in, in the way they cut their hair, in the way they had their, their outfits, what they, they, you know, they did. So when they criticized Jesus, uh, if you know the, the story where they were walking through the field and they were picking the corn, uh, I think it was the corn or the wheat, and they were eating it. And they said, you can't do that because that's work. Now, if that was my job, picking and eating corn, I think that's not a bad, that's quite an easy job to have. So the point being, when you're thinking about the Sabbath and having rest, that wasn't work. The reason they called it work because they had created these extra rules in place so that if you dropped one of the, the corns and you trod on it accidentally, you were then working because you were grinding it. And so they created rules upon rules upon rules to make sure that you didn't actually break the rules that God had put in place. And so when they always said to Jesus, you're breaking the rules, what he was breaking was not God's rules, they were, he was breaking man's rules. But they were so diligent and they were so intense and they, they, they thought they were so right as well in what they were doing. But they, but then Jesus challenged them. He's like, you're, you're not even of God. You're of your father, the devil. You're not, you don't know God because if you knew God, you would know me. You would know who's speaking to you now, but you've become so detached from that intimate relationship with God that you're just doing the works without the person. And we don't want to do that. We want to produce fruit that is eternal, that lasts. So we can't, we can't be apart from him. And there are many good things we might do, but if those good things are separated from the, the presence of God, then they're pointless. And I, as I say that, it sounds so harsh. But I wonder if God's like, I want you to get this because I don't want you to waste your time on something that isn't worth it in the long run. And I, again, I've been on this journey, I've been on a journey for a long time. I think particularly 
I was trying to think how long it was ago. I think it was about eight or nine years ago, probably. And John prayed for me. I don't know if he even would remember this. Um, probably not. But he, he prayed that God would bring me into a greater level of intimacy. And I think it's a prayer that ruined my ne- like next nine years. Because <laughs> it was like, it's like, yes, I want that, Lord. And God's like, okay, we're going to bring you in. And, and, and it's not just like day one, there. Particularly for someone like myself, I'm not, um, some people can, ex- I don't know, express their emotions in certain ways or, or be a certain way and they just love intimacy, they, you know, the huggers. Um, they're just like, oh, I just love hugging. And I'm like, all right. Um, you know, so some people do relationship better than other people. Um, I can do some things really well, but maybe relationship isn't the best. And so it's something that, I, uh, that God has been teaching me and even now, even every day, is teaching me. But the key when we're on a journey like this is that we need to be honest. I don't believe you can grow in God if you are not honest with yourself and with God. Because otherwise you will go around and just be like, oh, praise God, praise God, keep it going, keep the smile off, keep the mask up. Not just the mask COVID one, but the mask that's covering what's really going on in your heart, really going on in your life. When everyone's saying, oh, isn't God good? And you're like, amen. And you're like, I don't really know if I even believe that. We have to be honest. And it's from that place of honesty that we can grow in God. You have to be honest. And I'll ask you a few questions this morning. And I'm going to ask them as if it was God asking you these questions. And the first one is, do you love me? Do you love me? In the in the book of John, again, these are it's a famous uh, passage where Jesus, after his resurrection, is walking uh, with Peter, and it's he's been resurrected, and they've been out. I think it's where they've been out uh, uh, fishing, and he's on the beach, and he calls them. Um, to himself and he's actually made them the barbecue on the beach which is great some fish um, and they've had this meal and I always get this picture they've you know they've enjoyed this meal together then they're having a little walk after the meal walk it off uh, down the beach along the shore and there's probably you know if you go on hikes in a big group and you always kind of split off into little pairs and have a little chat that's how I picture it and Jesus and Peter are doing this same thing this is in John 21 and he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? No one quite knows what the these are, whether it's the fish, whether it's the other disciples, you know, whether it's whatever it might be. But do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? I want to put yourself in that position. If you want to, you can just close your eyes for a moment and just picture the Lord before you. And he says, Do you love me? And you might say, and I I picture myself in that moment, I'm like, 
yeah, Jesus, you know I love you. You know I love you. Because I'm supposed to love you. That's the right thing to say, isn't it? Do you love Jesus? Of course I love Jesus. But then he says again, do you love me? Do you love me? Because remembering here, this is the one who sees deep inside your heart, deep inside your soul, and knows the truth. When he says, do you love me? And I know in that moment, I, I just, I'm like, whoa, Jesus. Can we change the subject, please? Because it's like, it's, it's getting uncomfortable because I know that you know what I think. You, I know that you know what I feel. And I know the truth is that, yeah, I love you, but I also love other things. And I also enjoy other things. And, and I know that even when I say I love you, I can be a hypocrite because I mean it in that moment. And then the next morning when I wake up, I, I, I go and do something else. And my love for you is incomplete. And my love for you is inconsistent. And I love you, but... I know it's not what it needs to be. You know, in the scriptures where it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm like, oh God, I want to keep your commandments. I want to love you, but I know I fall short. And I wonder in these moments that Jesus was bringing Peter to that place of honesty. It's very interesting that just before this, if you know, before when Jesus was being uh questioned and Peter denied Jesus three times and so it's very interesting that he asked him again three times do you love me there's a healing in this as well I think for Peter because he needs to bring him to this place of honesty before him again love so amazing so so divine demands my soul my life my all if you hear about the, there's a parable where Jesus says there was a man who found some treasure in a field. And so what he then did, he went away and sold all he had so that he might buy the field, that he might have the treasure. Now sometimes you might hear the story a different way. It's like, Jesus loved you so much that he sold everything he had that he could have you. I really, I, I believe that's true, but I believe it's more true that to, is the love that you have for Jesus so good, so much rather, that you would, you're willing to sell everything that it demands your soul, your life, your all? Are you willing to give it all for Jesus? Because if we, if we come and we're half-hearted, we're, you know, we're, we're not all in, then we're going to struggle in our Christian life. If you think about, I was reading with my boys the parable of the sower this week, and and just reminded again, it says the third seed it said was sown amongst um, the 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 thorns, and so when it grew up, it was choked. It didn't grow. It grew, and I always think, well, it grew, but it didn't grow any fruit because it was choked by the cares of the world. And I think if we don't come and we haven't set in our minds this point that we have given our life our all, then we're going to get choked by the cares of this world. There has to be an abandonment of yourself to God. 
to know him. Because otherwise, other things will come in its place. Now, as I was saying about that journey, there's that point where you're like, Jesus, I'm giving you my all. And then maybe a year later, you realise you really haven't given him your all. And you say, again, and that's the growth. Because you say, okay, I'm going to give you my all. And then a year later. And, and that goes probably on throughout your life. Because I know for me, it hasn't stopped yet. And maybe you can speak to some older people than I, and I think it probably continues throughout your life that you realise, man, I still haven't given it all, and I'm still giving it, want to give it, or I still want to. And that's a heart disposition that we need to have before him, to give it all. And so he asked that question, do you love me? Say, so if you don't know the answer to that, or if you just need to be honest with him, to say, I do love you, but I know that my love can waver. I know that my love can be less than it should be. Will you help me, Lord, to love you more? Will you help me? Put yourself in honesty before God. The second question I have is, do you hunger and thirst for me? Do you hunger and thirst for me? I was reading in the Psalms 42, where it says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you, Lord. Is this expression of this kind of, Oh, Lord, I need you. I'm hungry for you. Does your soul pant for the Lord? Do you thirst for him? Or is your thirst quenched in so many different ways? In the book of John, going back into chapter 4, it's again a very familiar story of Jesus when he meets the woman at the well and he's talking about water and he's talking about, will you give me a drink? And he says in verse 13, he said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, so you got your water here, let's have a bit. I'm going to be thirsty again. Everyone who drinks of that water you will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. He is the living water that when we drink of him, yeah, we're going to thirst again in the sense of one more, but he brings life to us. But if we drink of other things, we can satiate our thirst and our hunger for a season and for a season and we can just keep things ticking over because we fill it with so much else. But he's saying, will you drink more? I want to encourage you not to settle for less than what God has said. Because again, there's a danger in our Christian life. It's like, well, I've got a bit of God and that's enough. Because particularly in our environment where, you know, life generally isn't bad. You know, most people, you know, people are working, people are healthy, obviously there's always exceptions to this but on the whole we live in a society that's pretty good when you compare it to other societies in the world and so we're not persecuted for our faith we're able to meet uh, like this we are today Um, we've got certain freedoms and things like that Um, it's not too bad and so therefore you can have this interaction with God that kind of says, yeah, I like God, I pray every day. I read my Bible even, every day. But then we package God somewhere else as a part of our life. And I believe it's so sad when we settle for less than what God has promised for us. 
and we only know him in part, because again, my testimony is that when you give yourself fully to God, when you really come into greater levels of intimacy with him, nothing compares. Absolutely nothing compares. And you just want more and more of him. My third question is, do you enjoy me? Do you enjoy me? Because again, I think there's a a real risk that as believers we get into this place where it's like we, we, our relationship with God becomes a duty. You know, tick the box, Christianity. I've come to church, tick. Read my Bible, tick. Said a prayer, tick. You know, done the right thing. I've gone through the things. And so when someone says to you, this, this, this challenges me. Do you want to come and, and pray together? You know, oh, prayer meeting? I remember once when I, went, I was in Australia and someone said, to, I was on a, like a long holiday, and someone said, oh, do you want to come to a prayer meeting? And I was like, really? I'm on holiday. Um, <laughs> but let's put it another way around. Do you want to come and meet with God together? And I think we could, we've, we've got just heavy in our expectation or we, we've, we've lost something where it's like, you know, do you, do you want to come and do a study on something? Let's come, and, let's come and engage with the living word of God, that God can speak words that transform our lives. Do you want to do that? Rather than, let's, it's the same thing as do you want to do a Bible study? Do you want to come and encounter the living God and, and listen to him, that he might speak to us? That's a prayer meeting. Now maybe we have to change how we do prayer meetings, how we do Bible studies, because again we can grow stale in some of these practices. But we have to come with an expectation. Uh, I was listening to someone and they were saying, look, sometimes they struggle to sleep because they're anticipating their prayer time in the morning. Because they're like, I'm so excited that God is going to come and speak to me when I get up and I meet with him that I can't sleep. And I'm like, man, I sleep really well. Um, Lord, will you... But again, we need that honesty where it says, God, I don't have that. Will you give me that? Will you give me that level of expectation that I want to be with you and I want to hear from you rather than, oh God, I can just about get out of bed. Um, but almost, okay, maybe getting out of bed is hard still for whatever reason, but maybe there's that spring in your step because I know that when I've been going on holiday and you have to get up at three in the morning to go and get the flight, I, okay, I'm tired, but I get up because I know I've got to be there. I know I want to be there. I know I want to go. And so may God give us that. That actually, again, when you come to him, I don't know how you found the worship this morning, but were you able just to enjoy him? Do you enjoy me, God is saying? And maybe, again, it's that place of honesty saying, God, I don't think I do enjoy you. And I think if you can be honest with yourself, that's brilliant, because God is saying, I, you should. Or well, I'm saying to you, you should. Like, if you read about how Jesus was in the Bible, for those who were actually open to him, he wasn't fun for those who weren't, um, but if you were actually open to him, they would say, like, oh, didn't our hearts warm when we were with him? Wasn't it, like, weird? And even to the point where I see, like, 
programs about Jesus. And these are just actors pretending to be Jesus. And I'm like, oh man, I love you. Like, I love you. Like, you're, you're, you're such a good actor because you're portraying this man. And that's even just a portrayal. And maybe that's how we should be with one another. Just a thought. But do you enjoy me? God, we want, God wants us to enjoy him. Being with him. And I wonder if people aren't jealous because they don't see anything worth being jealous of. Because if it is just good works, well, we can do that in other ways. I want to encourage you to press into more of God. That you might love him, you might hunger and thirst, you might enjoy him. So four things just to leave us with. I want to encourage you to come to him. There has, there's a call of God upon us. There's a call to say, come to me. Come to me. Make space for me. And that, I don't believe that's like, right God, you've got between 7 and 7.15 in the morning. That's your slot God. Uh, and then I'm going to move on. And then do, and then again, maybe at 8 o'clock, or just as I hit my, my head's on the pillow, God, that's your time. That's not making space. Making space and I've been learning this with my wife, making space. Because, again, when you make space, you give opportunity for relationship. If you define it all and just say, you know, let me bracket it all off, that doesn't create opportunity. Because otherwise it's like, right, we were in a really good flow there, but I'm off, I'm going to go and do something else. Make space for him. And just let things develop. Um, again, with any relationship, it takes time. Because sometimes you get that first bit when you start talking to someone, you're like, yeah, we're just going through the niceties or it's awkward, don't really know you, or things like that. And then as you spend time, you get, you get able to go into deeper things. You get to just be together and develop that. Again, he does say, come away, come into your, your closet and pray. Like, do, are we doing that? Are we finding the quiet place? where we shut everyone else out as much as we can and coming to him. I want to encourage you to adore him. Now, if you've been in a relationship, at the very beginning of your relationship, it's easy to adore one another. You're like, oh, I just love being with you. You're so wonderful. Every moment, you're like, no, let me, like, texting each other back and forwards. Um, just like, if you go back to the old days, phoning them or something like that. If you go even older back, you go on your horse and go and visit them or something like that. Um, <laughs> but there's that idea that when you're starting off in a relationship, there's that adoration where you just want to be together no matter what. But again, if you've been married, I was, our anniversary was this week, 16 years. Um, but you're not allowed to shout, are you? So, <laughs> thank you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, there you go. Excellent. Um, but obviously over time, in, in, I'm sure every married couple realizes this, but things ebb and flow. There are times that you're like, wow, this is brilliant. There's times like this is really difficult. But that's relationship. And so the trouble is, in our relationship with God, we can start off really well, and then things, you know, just get a bit, they get a bit dry, they, they, you know, the first love wasn't there. It's interesting that he says to the church in Revelation, return to your first love. 
And if you go on any kind of marriage course, they say, have you got a date night? You know, have you got a date night? Because again, the realization, the reality rather is, you have to work on your relationship. You can't just assume, because again, other things come in. Work comes in, sickness comes in, kids come in, houses come in. All these things happen, life happens, distracts you. But if you want to have that relationship, sometimes you've got to work for it. Sometimes it's just easy. But sometimes you have to work for it. I think it's the idea of you have to prime the well. And so if we're thinking about adoration, I think adoration, interest doesn't really come up in the Bible, the word adoration. I did a study. Um, it was very short. Uh, but the idea is when you just give yourself to God and go, Lord, I love you. And like, we had a prayer time recently and I was like, I was tired. I was like, oh. I was like, God, I, I'm so tired, but I want to love you tonight. I don't feel like praising you, but I will praise you. I will glorify you because you are worthy. You demand my soul, my life, my all. Even if I don't feel like it, you demand it, I'm going to give it and I'm going to enact my will to adore you. doesn't sound very romantic, but we need to do that. And adore it, that adoration, just, again, you get, it's something you have to develop in your mouth to say, just like, just start saying, God, you are this, you are this, you are this. I did a thing where, it, um, I was, we did this thing, I was on a course I was on, it was like, okay, we're going to, for five minutes, thank God. Five minutes of thanksgiving to God, just on, like yourself. It's hard work. Because again, you're like, the first minute you're like, going for it. Thank you for this, thank you for that. Then after that you're like, man, I'm running out of things to say here. But again, it's a practice. Because then you're like, God, actually I thank you. You know, I thank you for the clothes I'm wearing, because you've blessed me with those. I thank you for this person, for that person, for this, for my job, for the sky, for the sun, for the stars, for the moon. I thank you, and I thank you that you are faithful, and you go on and on. Just giving glory to God, adoring him. I encourage you to wait on him. So giving him space, but giving him time. Wait on him. And then, fourthly, to listen to him. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. There's so much in this life that's going to try and rob you of that quiet place with God. But the development of intimacy is in that still, quiet place where you come and you set yourself apart. You say, God, this is for you. I'm going to give you time. And I'm going to come and be with you. And I believe this is the work that God wants to do in the church. I believe he wants it for you because that's what he He gave his life for. That's what was stolen when Adam and Eve sinned. Because they were then cast out of God's presence. But Christ has brought us back in to God's presence. That we might come even with boldness into the throne room of God. That we might have the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. So what was lost, he has restored. This was his purpose to say, you can know me, you can know the Father. We can be together. And this is the foundation of our relationship with him. A 
upon which everything else comes. The fruit comes. The work comes. But first of all, if you're not finding that place of intimacy, I encourage you this morning, speak to God about it. Speak to someone else about it. Be real. Because when we speak out the truth, it breaks strongholds. And it allows us to be honest and to move forward. And so I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Thank you, almighty God, for your love for us today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came, that we might have life and have it in abundance. And that abundance is in you. The abundance is knowing you. Lord, that you said you are living water, but you said from us streams of living water will flow. You said in the psalm that our cup will overflow. And that's just by being with you in your presence. The greatest truth is not that we can have blessing, not that we can have riches or favour, but we can have you. Lord, and if we are not where we need to be this morning, if we if we have this realisation that we, there's something more, Lord, help us to be honest with you and just say, Lord, I want this. Will you guide me? Will you lead me? And help us to do what you say, Lord, because you will speak and you will guide, you will lead. Help us to, be, to obey, Lord God, and to follow you.